0: That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.
1: Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today, whether you're listening on talkradio.nyc or on the Facebook live stream. Uh, I'm very happy for you all to join us. Already on the Facebook live, I see my loyal fan, Joe Sam. Joe Sam, you seem to tune in almost every single week. Thank you so much. And Nicole, Oh, Nicole, good to see you. I haven't seen you for a while. I hope you're doing well. So uh, we have a guest who will be in studio shortly, but of course, first, we have our quotes of the day for you from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what the universe and Abraham have in store for us for today. First, from the universe. Young souls use pain to learn how things are. Mature souls use pain to learn how else things might be. And old souls use pain to learn how else they might be. Tssst, the universe. <laughs> we love our quotes from Mike Dooley and the universe. And this actually I happen to like a lot because it brings up that topic of pain. And we do have a tendency to... Um, really think that pain is such a bad and awful thing in our lives it can be debilitating it can be um you know stop us in our tracks but pain almost always is informative pain gives us information and what the universe says here is like when we're very young we use pain to learn how things are right we touch a hot stove ouch it burns okay we learn that like Something that's very hot, we don't touch. And when we're mature, we learn how else things might be. In other words, we try something new and different, and you know that can sometimes cause some pain. But old souls, peop- those of us who have, uh, are much older than the years uh, our feet have been on this earth, we use pain to learn how else we might be. In other words, for us... It's a mechanism for growth. And that pain is always an opportunity for us to look within. pain is an opportunity for us to reflect, to um, look at how we are participating in this particular situation that is causing the pain. And perhaps, just maybe, that pain is coming from a place of attachment of ego of you know us just wanting our own way and not accepting the way things are so pain can be very very informative um and and it's it's something that yes i mean i agree nobody likes to be in pain Nobody likes to, you know, feel like they're hurting. And if we can just put aside the uncomfortableness of the pain, the uncomfortableness of the sensation, and take a sort of a deeper look to take a a look into why am I feeling this pain? And, and, you know, what is this pain trying to tell me? Then the pain can actually serve us. So this quote from the universe about how old souls use pain to learn how else they might be. It is really, you know, that message of, you know, the, the more wise we become with our years uh, the more we can take something like pain, which is something we normally just try to completely avoid and get away from, uh, we can actually use it to help us to grow. So, a wonderful quote from the universe. Let's see what Abraham has in store for us today. From Abraham, and this is, uh, I believe, this is an excerpt from their book, um, uh, The Vortex. Even though this vortex that we speak of cannot be found on physical maps and is not indicated by physical signposts, it is a reality that exists just the same. It is your vibrational reality. And you can tell when you enter your vortex by the way you feel. You can tell by the way you feel when you exit your vortex. In fact, your personal, precise, emotional guidance system is the only effective roadmap or signpost to your vortex. All cooperative components to the furthermost expanded version of you have been gathered by the Law of Attraction and are held in timeless, spaceless, ever-readiness for your access and utilization in your vortex of creation. If you are to become a cooperative component to your own vortex and to all the wonderful things that have been gathered there, you must be a vibrational match to your vortex. In other words, you too must have a high frequency and you too must be without resistance. Abraham. So uh, a little bit of a long-winded quote today from Abraham, but a very, very important one. And this quote I mean really essentially is trying to impress upon us that what Abraham calls the vortex some people call it the zone other people call it just being in alignment that it may not feel like it's an actual physical place but just because it's not a physical place doesn't mean it's not real and how we find our path into this vortex is based on how we're feeling in any given moment and the more in alignment we are with that greater part of ourselves the more in alignment we are with um that that uh uh uh, Tapped in, tuned in, turned on part of ourselves when life is just joyful, excited, um, energetic. uh, When we're just full of energy and we feel like, oh, I just I just can't wait to get out there and do stuff today. Right. That the, the more in alignment we are with that, then the more we ease right into our vortex. And you can kind of tell when you pop out of the vortex because when you're off-balanced, off-centered, somebody knocks you off that, that good-feeling place, boom, we pop right out. Resistance starts showing up. Those negative, those doubts, those, those feelings of, of, oh, this isn't working out for me. Oh, maybe I, maybe I don't deserve good things. Maybe, um, you know, this just isn't meant to be. As those doubts and those voices in the back of our head start creeping in, you know, that's the clear sign that we're moving away from our vortex. And, and you know, uh, Abraham calls it our emotional guidance system. You know, it's a, if you want to, um, uh, what do you call it? You take, take the uh, um, summary of that. It's EGS as opposed to a GPS. A right? our, our GPS is the, that, that, that positioning system that tells us where we are when we use our phone on the map. You know, it shows us how we're traveling around the road trying to get from one place to another. Well, your emotional guidance system is that, that internal guidance system that guides us day-to-day, moment-to-moment by paying attention to how we feel. And, and I really want to be very clear about this. I'm a big believer that there are no good feelings or bad feelings. Feelings are merely an indicator of where we happen to be in a given moment. And look, if something happens and we're sad or depressed or we've gone through some very trying time, that doesn't mean being sad or depressed is a bad thing. Doesn't mean we should avoid feeling how we're feeling. Okay, I want to be very clear about that because a lot of people misinterpret a lot of stuff in law of attraction, thinking that it means oh, I, I should sh- I should never feel sad. I should always feel happy. No, it's to use our feelings as a roadmap and a guide of where we are in the moment and what we're feeling in the moment, based on what we're focusing on, based on what we're experiencing. And it's okay to be there. I mean, we need there. We need our process. We need to go through what we need to go through. But once we've had enough of that, then it's okay. Let's start to move away from that. Let's start to remember what it is we want to feel and start leaning in that direction. Start moving in that direction. You, we're not going to jump from depressed up to elated in five seconds unless we're bipolar and manic, okay? No, we just lean in that direction, slowly move to where we want to go and not be so hard on ourselves and not beat ourselves up because, oh, my God, I, I, I wasn't in the vortex. Oh, my God, I'm such an awful human being. no. You're a human being. That's the point. We came here to experience all of life, not just one aspect or another. But we experience all of life so that we learn from all of life. And that's usually our biggest challenges are our greatest teachers. And that's where we learn the most from. And that's where we grow the most from. And that's where we sort of get the, the, the spiritual fortitude of going through these challenges to help us with what comes next in life. And the more we accept ourselves for who and what we are, and the more we realize that, hey... You know, it's okay. Wherever I am at, in any given moment, in any given day, it's okay. And we work from that place, the better we're going to feel. The less time we spend in that place that's very far away from our vortex. And, And the more gifts and treasures we can find in those moments. You know, it's an old adage that we learn more from our failures than from our successes. To me, failure is not a bad word, right? So in our society, we're so taught that, oh, if you fail at something, you're a failure, you're bad, this and that. No. Failure is a great thing. We learn so much from it. We learn more from it than we learn from our successes. We learn from both. Don't get me wrong. But it's when we fuck up sometimes that we really... Uh, We really learn the most about ourselves, about other people, and about the world in which we live in. So, two wonderful, wonderful quotes from the universe and from Abraham. I hope you enjoy them. Um, And, of course, next week we'll have two more. So, um, before I bring on my guest, we're going to take our quick break. And um, we're very, very fortunate. Our guest is in studio with us today. And I'll introduce her, and uh, we'll talk all about our topic for today, the five gifts. Very in alignment with our quotes of the day today, and we will do that right after these messages. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network.
3: Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every
2: Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or entrepreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow, Follow Me, me Friday, Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your, your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo, woo! What's that?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
1: Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern Time to 1 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live uh, on, my, on, on the uh, Talk Radio NYC Facebook page. A quick shout out, got a couple of more viewers uh, on Facebook Live. Uh, Alice and Gary, welcome. So now it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Lori Nadel, who has had a dual career in both media and psychology. Um, as a network news writer-producer for 20 years, she came to recognize that people whose lives were shattered by catastrophic, catastrophic events, you know, and in the news cycle that's known as breaking news, would need long-term support. After completing two doctorates, she's no slouch, uh, she opened a private practice in New York City specializing in acute stress, trauma, phobias, and PTSD. For two and a half years, she ran a program for teenagers whose fathers were killed uh, on September 11th, the anniversary just passed. And after losing her own home to Hurricane Sandy, she ran a long-term program for people in her own community who needed emotional support due to the long-term damage that followed that disaster. And we're here today to talk about her new book, The Five Gifts. Let me hold it up for the screen. Can you guys see that? Yeah, that looks good. The Five Gifts, Discovering Hope, Healing, and Strength When Disaster Strikes. And the foreword is written by none other than Dan Rather. And this is her seventh book. Um, and she's uh, had a four-time bestseller, The Sixth Sense, Unlocking Your Ultimate Mind Power. She's also a contributing writer to Our Time Press and an award-winning Brooklyn, an award-winning Brooklyn Weekly. Uh, the Five Gifts has been nominated for the best self-help book in 2018 by the Library Journal, and we're very pleased to welcome her to the studio today. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour,
3: Thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me as your guest.
1: Oh, you're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. Um, so, uh, you know, you've actually—I mean, you're, you're a psychologist, right? Right. Right. You help people who've dealt with very difficult things, trauma, PTSD, who've experienced, you know, some. Some big catastrophic event, you know, 9-11, hurricanes, uh, things like that. We have Florence hitting the Carolinas last night. Um, But you help people and you have sort of a unique perspective now because you've actually experienced it for yourself, haven't you?
3: That's right. Yes, I I lost my home of uh, almost 20 years to Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Mm. We had a storm surge of about four feet that uh, basically wiped out everything, uh, it was a one story beach cottage and oh, wow. uh, everything that I'd built over 20 years was gone in like mm-hmm. 20 minutes. It was, uh, for me at the moment, it was kind of a life transforming experience, sure. uh, but the long-term after effect, uh, the long-term process of dealing with uh, the government and the insurance <laughs> industry. and the, uh, So there's actually a chapter in my book about financial trauma and ah. institutional betrayal because when you go back to places like New Orleans, you go back to yeah. Houston a year later, you' even if I go back to Long Beach, New York, which is uh, yeah. which is where my house was, uh-huh. six years later, uh, people are still struggling. Uh, they've uh-huh. wiped out all of their, uh, all of their investments, all they've, the savings, they, they yeah. wa- they've, they've maxed out their credit. They've had to maintain two residences. They didn't get the money they were supposed to get. Yeah. Um, they had to borrow a lot of money in order to finance two types of construction. Mm. Uh, then the taxes tripled. So um, wow. one, one of the, the elephants in the room that never gets talked about now as we're on the eve of a of a mega natural disaster in the Carolinas yeah. is that the storm itself the night of the storm, is really the first scene in a disaster movie that goes on and on and on for years.
1: Right. For the people it affects, it's not just a one-time thing. I mean, yeah, it it may make it into the news cycle for 24, 36, 72 hours, but the people whose lives are affected by that disaster are affected by that for not just weeks or months, but years to come.
3: Right, and and I think most uh, people, middle class homeowners, uh, certainly consider myself one. Uh, most people will never recover financially from this disaster. No. They they may have to uh, sell their house after they've spent all that all their savings and investments uh, rebuilding the house. They may go into foreclosure. As I know several mm. people. They may they may have to file for bankruptcy. Uh, marriages break up. I mean, th- oh, this sure. this has a a very very deep, it's a very deep wound that Mm -hmm. affects people's ability to maintain relationships. And it is a trauma in the sense that it affects your survival and your ability to provide shelter for yourself and your family for years to come.
1: Right, right. And this is uh, the reason why I wanted you to come on. I wanted to talk about this is because this is becoming a more and more common an uh, uh, issue for people to deal with. I mean, like we said, the, the Carolinas, I mean, the, you know, people have a tendency to think, well, you know, wh- what are people doing living on the beach? But as you said, you were there for 20 years, right. and nothing like this had ever happened before, had it? No,
3: nothing like this had ever happened. Um, water had never touched the house. Uh, we, uh, in fact, there had been a couple of uh, minor storms that only affected the houses that were close to the seawall, about right. 80 miles to the north. But I, I think that... Um, The psychological impact of what we're going through in this very volatile cycle, both in terms of um, extreme weather events, whether you call them climate change events or you call them Acts of God or whatever you call (laughs) them, it's a cycle that we're in, and it's a very turbulent cycle in addition to social instability, political and economic instability um, that that goes in waves. So we're now in a very turbulent cycle, and one of the things that made me aware that there was a need for this book mm-hmm. is because in this in our in our culture we're not used to instability we're not right. used to uncertainty right. and um, I think there was a study by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and the National Wildlife uh, uh, Service I think it was National National NWF National Wildlife Federation mm-hmm. and uh, they said that by the year 2025 more than 200 million Americans will suffer mental health damage due to extreme weather events, including, now that's a population about the size of Texas, and that includes everything from um, anxiety, phobias, I mean, anything in the anxiety spectrum, uh, depression, substance abuse, suicides, um, in extreme cases and uh, what we normally think of as post-traumatic stress disorder, which can resurface years later simply by watching a weather event on television.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and um, it's really something that, you know, if you've never experienced it or you didn't grow up with it, you're very unprepared for it. That's right. You know, I think that, you know, sometimes when you grow up in an area that's say, you know, has a tornado season every right. year or you're used to having a hurricane season every year, then it's kind of psychologically you're somewhat prepared for That's it. Right. But when you live in an area that like has never had that kind of a season to it. And now all of a sudden it's like every year there are hurricanes coming through, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't necessarily have the, the psychological, Um, tools to help you to deal with what do you do when something like this comes to your doorstep.
3: Exactly. And uh, one of the things that uh, is important, I think, is to have um, emotional first aid, uh, Ah. tips that that work very, very quickly to help take the edge off panic and to help you stay calm during and uh, the first 24 to 48 hours right after an event are critical that you know how to apply some of these emotional or psychological first aid tools, mm. because you have to make survival decisions while you're in shock. Yeah, and yeah. you know do you, you you really look at safe place to live. You know, do you have drinking water? Mm. Um, in the case of Hurricane Sandy, the storm surge knocked out the town sewer pump, and ah. so when the when the tide went out and it took all the, the flood water out, everything on the island was contaminated with raw sewage. Everything Ooh. in my and for everything in my little house was toxic. Wow. And uh, everything on the island, the soil was toxic for years. Wow. Uh, people were coming down with strange infections and strange yeah, diseases, and yeah. we couldn't plant vegetables for a few years. So we're really talking about, um, you know, how do you cope with something of that magnitude when everything that was normal, as you understood it, is kind of ripped out from under you, and right. so long term, and this came to me while I was trying to cope with a lot of the um, right. the issues, uh, crises that came up mm-hmm. uh, in the months after the hurricane, uh, I, I was looking at other cultures and saying, mm-hmm. how do how do people cope with these events when when they live in say a third world country where they have uh, mega catastrophes the tsunami the genocide in Rwanda earthquakes um, you know really uh, political instability uh, Mm -hmm. wars Um, how do people get through that Mm -hmm. and what came to me in meditation was that we need five gifts Ah. which are the five gifts are not it, well, I'll ta- I called them originally the Five Unbearable Gifts.
1: Five Unbearable.
3: And, and my <laughs> I kind of <laughs> like that. I, well, my, my friends who are Buddhists and Buddhist monks, they loved the title, but publishers hated it. Y- yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> they, and, the, and the book kept getting rejected, and they kept saying, this is an outstanding book, but if the, if the gifts are unbearable, nobody will want them. And I uh, said, well, that's the point. Uh, we don't want them until we need them, uh, because the five gifts are humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. And nobody wants humility if you can have a million Twitter followers or humility. This (laughs) is is not a culture that really values humility as witness some of the things that are going on every day Uh. in the news. Uh, Patience um, to me, I mean, as a New Yorker, you know, patience is the gift that I never, ever, ever want. Right. You know, I want it yesterday, like everybody else, and I don't think yeah. anyone ever wrote to Santa Claus and said, "Dear Santa, forget the iPad, bring yeah. me patience." Yeah, you know? Right, 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 um, right. Empathy is the one that we see right after. You know, we we see rescue workers, we see people rescuing strangers. But, you know, the point that you made, Sam, about, you know, the cameras leave after 72 hours, after two weeks, you know, they're out of there. The real work begins and people then start to feel abandoned. Mm -hmm. Um, The rescue crews come in, the missionaries send in people to help strip out damaged seat rock and the Mm. construction volunteers, you know, they're gone after like two months. Mm. So uh, speaking with colleagues of mine who were experts in the field of disaster mental health, Mm -hmm. the help cycle lasts about two months. Mm-hmm. But the emotional recovery can last three to five years
1: yeah, yeah yeah so so just quickly before we go to break, and after we come back from break'll we'll, we 'll get a little bit more into the five gifts themselves. Um, from before you experienced this Sunday day for yourself and then afterwards uh, as a psychologist, how do you what was the biggest change in your perspective on uh, going through a disaster?
3: Well, I'm one of those people, I from 20 years of working in the news business, uh, actually more than that, but 20 years in actual newsrooms. Mm. I I get very calm. I'm very calm during the event itself. Uh. But having run a program for two and a half years for teenagers whose fathers were killed on September 11th, um, I was very much aware that there would be a need for long-term support, Mm. especially, you know, as the media hype. Starts to, to rev up on, yeah. at the one-year anniversary. Uh, uh, like right now, I'm I'm giving some workshops for teachers at Parkland at the high school. Oh, wonderful! And um, any any major event, especially one that involves violence to children, that has a heavy media presence, mm-hmm. the media component adds a layer of right, trauma to right. people because we grieve in private, right? You know, right. so yeah,
1: I, I I sometimes feel that you know, sort of w- when we make such a big deal of the anniversary of these disasters like nine eleven, like the Parkland shooting, like the hurricanes, that, that I mean, for some people it may help them, but for a lot of people it's like opening up old wounds. It does. And, and it doesn't necessarily serve them or help them. And I really wonder, like, why do we keep doing that um, instead of focusing on what do we need to do to really heal or what do people need to heal, the people in the front lines who were directly affected by it. Be, be so I want you to okay. hold that thought. Okay. We're going to take sure. a quick break. Okay. And when we come back, let, let's talk a little bit more about your book, The Five Gifts. And uh, let's go back into a little bit more detail of, of uh, the five gifts that you mentioned, what they are, and and how do they serve us during times of uh, trauma. So everybody, please stay tuned. Noreen, I see your quote. I'll get to it when we get back. Uh, thank you, Sirve. Uh, thanks for glad you're enjoying the the interview and uh Sanaya great to see you on the Facebook live so everybody please stay tuned uh we'll be right back after these messages
2: you're listening to the talking alternative network
1: And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with Dr. Lori Nadel, author of the book *The Five Gifts*, and uh, she's a trauma specialist. So, on the Facebook Live, uh, a fellow uh, Talk Radio NYC host, Noreen, who lives in Brooklyn, says, "I never have food because I never think that it will be that bad. I live 100 feet above the water." Um, what would you say to someone like Noreen? You know, Nor- Noreen is the, an optimist. You know, she believes in obviously in 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 uh, not believing that a disaster is going to be that bad. So she's not necessarily the most prepared person.
3: Well, I I think you know there there's a level, and I, I talk about it in the book of what you know what some people call positive thinking, and there's a fine line between positive thinking and wishful thinking and denial. Yeah. And I think that you know when you, when you look at the trends and you look at the facts, um, mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't hurt mm. um, to have a few days of extra food if you know that there's going to be a big storm coming and right. you're going to stay 100 feet above the water. Yeah, um, yeah. I had lived through dozens of hurricanes uh, mm-hmm. living, living on a barrier island, and uh, had never, you know, I'd, I'd stocked up on food for two days maybe, or, you know, to mm-hmm. um, I'd make it into an adventure for my kid and we'd have, you know, snow days or hurricane mm. days and you, you know, but, but when you lose power and you have mm. no plumbing facilities and um, you're, you're basically stranded, there's no cell phone signal, you are going to need some kind of supplies. Um, I don't mm. think it's negative to be, uh, to be practical.
1: Right. Uh, on the on the opposite side of the equation to me i i kind of end up scratching my head because now on the news like whenever there's going to be some kind of severe weather they're always predicting oh there's going to be so much snow rain this and that and people rush to the supermarkets and buy out all kinds right. of food and then it turns into nothing that's right now okay yes it's better to be bepa- be prepared and not need it than to be unprepared and need it but hasn't it gotten a little bit too far in the other direction?
3: Well, I think you're talking about uh, something that I was guilty of in my own uh, media career, which ah. I call weather hype. Yes. So, when Hurricane Sandy, when all these these you know scare you know reports were coming in. Um, I checked the NOAA website the north ah, the, the National Oceanic, Oceanic. Atmospheric mm-hmm. Association, and I turn off all of the weather the the weather coverage uh, say for Florence has reached the level of hysteria the last yeah. couple of days yeah. and now it 's down to a category two Hurricane sandy was a category two it 's nothing you know it 's nothing right, to think right, you 're going right, to get right. through easily um, i I have a chapter called Gas Masks and Dom Perignon. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> and uh, I think that for those of us who certainly who grew up in New York City and mm-hmm. went to the public schools in the 1950s, you know, we, we, we were taught to hide under our desks right. <laughs> with our hands over our head in case the Russians bombed New York. Right, so like I think, that was going to help. You <laughs> like know? that was going to help, exactly. Um, and, I, and I write about that and My Best Friend um, and how she went on to uh, join the State Department, and after, the, after 9-11 and after the anthrax scares, mm-hmm. everyone at the State Department was issued a gas mask, and they were told they had to bring in three days' supply of food And I said, aren't they going to feed you? I mean, if you're in lockdown, isn't the government going to give you lunch? And no, no, we had to bring in our own food. So she brought herself a bottle of Dom Perignon and some caviar. (laughs) She had her (laughs) gas mask. She said, hey, if I'm going out, I'm going out in style. style." That's great. (laughs) So I I think she drank it when she retired but I, I, think uh, we, I think we have to approach it with a, with a healthy dose of pragmatism and right, humor right. because as you say you know, if it's going to be a mega storm right. if it's going to be category 5 you don't want to be anywhere you know, in the immediate area right. um, because it's going to be like Katrina it would be devastating right, uh, right. on the other hand I know a lot of people who bought and I do have friends who are preppers and mm-hmm. they, we, a friend of mine we went out to a uh, Chinese supermarket and I bought fruit salad and he bought a year's supply of rice mm-hmm. and he was so happy that he had a year's supply of rice. I yeah. I don't know if it's still good. So it depends on what your mindset is. Right. And you don't know, have to think. Well, you know, how likely am I to be here um, after a storm? Will Will I be holed up for two days, three days, five days? Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think you need to buy a year's supply of rice. You know, if you yeah. live in New York City, I do. Yeah, think I actually
1: knew somebody who uh, I forget after which thing, but after something, he would keep not a year's supply, but he kept. Two, a two to three month supply of rice in his apartment.
3: Right, I know a lot of people who join a lot of people in Florida who have uh, canned goods and mm. uh, you know things that the you know canned fruit and, and right, right. you know dried fruit and supplies. Uh, interviewed somebody who grew up in the mountains of Switzerland and they were, they were snowed in for four months of the year. Uh, so she always has like a pantry filled uh, with food because okay. that was her, that they didn't have stores in the Alps, right. and so yeah. she has a different mindset. So again, a lot of it is, you know, your culture. Right. Um, right. I have some prepping exercises that are really, um, th- the, the military calls them stress inoculations. So mm. think about, you know, ahead of time, how long could you live without power? Mm. Um, where could you go, you know, to plug in your phone if you needed to? Do you, do you, mm. have, do you have a backup charger?
1: Well, you know, now they have, in, New- in Manhattan, they have all of these charging, charging stations, stations, like, right. everywhere, right. and you can make a, a long-distance phone call if you needed to through them. So I see New York City's really prepping for that. I wanted to ask you a question, though. That, that you have a, a, a chapter in the book called Prepping, and there's a, a, a section in it called There is No Change Without Loss, and There's No Loss Without Change. What did you mean by that? Because I think that's an important statement.
3: Um, at the World Trade Center Family Center, where I worked for a few years, uh, there, w- there was a sign. There was a sign over one of the desks, and it was one of the, um, you know, two, three years after September 11th. You know, people who were actually. Um, you know doing grief work, um, kind of getting c- when you get past the shock is, is people don 't realize that once you pass that first anniversary mm-hmm. that 's when grief begins. Very yeah. often people start to feel depressed they start they' coming out of shock, yeah. they start to feel the magnitude of their loss, and to be able to understand that how we grow through loss as what you were talking about you know, earlier before before right. before our interview is very important because when we change, when we grow. We have to give something up, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Mm. And, and, and when, when we're dealing with a disaster or an unexpected event, we have to give up the idea that we knew what was going to happen. You know, we we have to give up the the assumption that we can predict and that we can be covered for any possible event and that if you take the 752 from Hoboken, you're going to be catching the 453 back to Hoboken. Mm. (laughs) uh, And that that assumption is one of the things that that was destroyed with the attack on the World Trade Center. So to be aware that any growth, any change involves some kind of loss and that any loss, although we, we don't look for loss, and certainly I'm not saying that anybody right. deserves loss, but that we can grow because of the loss.
1: Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, let, let, let's talk a little bit more about the five gifts. So the five gifts are humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. Mm-hmm. So how did these five gifts, you said it came to you in a meditation, but how do these five gifts relate to somebody surviving a disaster?
3: Well, I think um, in the work that I've done, and, and certainly say some of the work that I, I'm I'm doing with uh, with with teachers, uh, we talk about these um, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. That humility, it, it basically the gift that that it it shifts us out of saying why me, you know, uh, why me? Why did this happen to me? Why did this have to happen to me? And it just, uh, it kind of puts us into a more universal framework. These mm. kinds of events, unfortunately, uh, violent events have happened to human beings I'm throughout sorry. the course it's, it's, of history. It's not just me. It's, it's not just me. and many, that, many people. Many, many people uh, throughout time. And uh, I, I remember there were a couple of times during Hurricane Sandra, and I said to myself, you know... What's happening to you is happening to probably three quarters of a million people. Mm. Maybe a million people were affected by Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, you know yeah. the the lies, the changing of stories. You know, yeah. uh, trying to people, companies trying to extort money, and then um, yeah. you know betrayals and. Um, that this this is this is part of the aftermath climate it 's not happening to you personally, right, so having right. that humility takes the edge off the feeling of i guess victimization right. and blame ah, and and, ah. Uh, and we talk about patience is what happens when it 's in your second year or your third year, and suddenly you know you see something on television or you meet somebody and suddenly. You're overwhelmed with grief, or you have a flashback, uh. and you get angry at yourself, and you say, "Why am I still feeling this mm. now?" Patience is the gift that helps us to accept that we are, as you were saying before, we are wherever we are, right. and that you right. know feelings are going to come and go in right. the course of this this process. Mm. Um, empathy, you know, is the gift that we see right away, but what we really need long-term is sustainable empathy. And that's why uh, when mm. I start a group, usually six months or a year after the event, um, I, I'm committed to be there for at least a couple of years wow. as people go through the, their, their own journey. Nice. Uh, forgiveness, the most important thing about forgiveness is forgiving ourselves. So, yes, because absolutely. Because we, uh, we couldn't prevent it. There's a wonderful story in there about a woman whose husband uh, was uh, swept away by the tsunami in Thailand when they were on vacation, and it took her years. She developed a kind of a Buddhist metta meditation Uh to forgive the ocean and It oh, took her a long time, and wow. even uh, one of the uh, one of the gr- group activities that I did with with my group after Hurricane Sandy was to bring everyone down to the ocean on New Year's Eve, oh. and to follow a Brazilian tradition where you place white roses in the ocean and you make your wishes for the new year, oh. and that was very <laughs> healing for people.
1: Yeah, in the Jewish tradition, we, we throw bread We're, in the water, right? Right, <laughs> right. and funny. and growth
3: happens and growth, whether you yeah. believe it or not. I mean, as long yeah. as you're alive, you'll be growing it's really a question of whether you're growing consciously or mindfully right. or it's going to happen anyway
1: right one way or another right. you're going to grow from the experience we get to choose how we grow exactly. from the experience right. depending on you know what what level of consciousness we bring to what's going on that's right you know it's interesting when when 911 happened i had a little bit Sort of different reaction to most people that I know because my sister has been living in Israel for the last thirty-five, close to forty years, and I remember there was one year I had been there uh, visiting her. I'd walked into downtown Jerusalem many days when I was there, and uh, literally less than a month from me coming back, there had been a bombing in the Sbarros mm-hmm. pizza place that had been there. And I just thought to myself, wow, I had just been walking past that less than a month ago. Mm -hmm. Like I could have been walking past that when it blew up. So I already had sort of this, you know, kind of sense of, yeah, like these unknown disasters, like it could strike at any moment. So when the World Trade Center happened, a lot of people I know were just psychologically very unprepared for it. And for me, it was like, okay, now the terrorism is coming home.
3: That's right. And I've interviewed some people from Israel and from England where the uh, IRA bombed uh, the subways. So Mm -hmm. the IRA used to call the police before they set off the bomb though, so they could Ah. clear the subway station, um, which is not something that uh, other terrorist organizations uh, do. But I think we have a lot to learn from the mindset of people in Israel and people in the UK where they've lived with this. For a long time, yeah. I, I think that we can, uh, the, with a couple of uh, interviews that I have with indigenous people who mm. have lived with uh, natural catastrophes and mm. wars and and famines and epidemics uh, for centuries, and mm. what 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 is what to, what values do they have? What beliefs mm. do they have that allow them to to get through these events? Without, uh, without becoming paralyzed or without becoming uh, kind of right. victims. Cool.
1: All right. Well, wh- when we talk about some of that, when we come back, uh, time for our actual last break of the show. Um, so please stay tuned. We're talking to uh, Dr. Lori Nadel, author of the book, The Five Gifts. Make sure you go on to Amazon, wherever to get it. We'll find, I'll ask her about that when we come back. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
1: The best designs for your life start
2: talkingalternative.com
1: back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking this hour with Dr. Laurie Nadel, author of the book, The Five Gifts. Um, oh, and I see on the Facebook Live, my dear friend, Julian Michael-Waving. Hi, Michael. Uh, Julian, good to see you. Oh,
3: hi, Michael. I'm Julian. I know you. <laughs> you know Julian.
1: Yes. Um, so, uh, Lori, after all this, um, you know, it's been, how many years has it been since, Sandy? Six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. So, So, you've had time to process it you've you've experienced it you're now helping people with other disasters What, what kind of advice just sort of general advice would you have for people in terms of just psychologically preparing themselves for should they ever be in a disaster regardless of the type of the disaster and 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 what kind of advice for like the best way to weather it
3: well, I think it's important um, to to kind of try to. Uh, uh, if there's there's one phrase that I that I use myself and I and I recommend that that we begin to kind of repeat it as an affirmation mm-hmm. is to expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the mindset of indigenous people. It's also kind of a corollary of some of the Buddhist teachings as well. Mm-hmm. You know that, that uh, unexpected things happen, and if we expect mm-hmm. the unexpected, we won't be as we won't be as devastated. Um, in terms of um, you know, being generally prepared, I strongly recommend keep a ziploc, keep ziploc bags in your purse in your car, <laughs> um, keep them at home because if anything anything happens the first thing the first thing is your insurance or the police or the government. Mm. Uh, you have an accident report everyone 's going to ask for your papers, for your receipts, mm. for your records and you 're in shock and so if you have to go looking for these things later on. It will cause an, another layer of anxiety. Mm. But if you always have Ziploc bags and throw the papers that you collect along the way into the Ziploc bags, that will give you a sense of control. Uh, keep a small notebook with you mm. or index cards or pens in a Ziploc bag so they don't get wet. Right, yeah. And start writing down the name and phone number of everyone who gives you information Because after a couple of weeks, you'll find that the stories start to change. Mm. Person B or institution B is giving you conflicting information that uh, some people will lie. or It'll turn out that the first person didn't know, and they gave you misinformation. Or after a year, the regulations change, Mm. and nobody told you, and now you're getting a penalty. Uh, So if you you, keep a log... You
1: you talked before about this idea of institutional betrayal. And it's so, so common these days. So how do we deal with that i mean do we just not you know buy insurance anymore because it's not going to do us any good or or what
3: i I think insurance you know it's good protection it does it depends on uh, specifically the the insurance adjuster the insurance contractor Ah. Um, you know it's it's individual uh case by case uh but sometimes you know the FEMA will tell you something different from your insurance company and then the contractor uh, may tell you that the insurance company is going to pay them and then the insurance mm. company tells you yes we, we'll, we will pay the fee directly just like when you when you have a bo- body work done to your right, car right. and then suddenly they'll both say oh the, oh, that never happened we never ah. had that conversation but if you have a log of every person and phone number even ah, if you don't ah, remember sure. the day and time right. you will be able to, to track your story back right. and you'll be able to have a record so remember you're in shock right. so the easiest thing write down the name write down the phone number uh of and and a couple of words about what was told to you during a conversation um have a Drink a lot of water. It's very important to stay hydrated. Yes. And the most important piece is do not isolate. Stay with uh, other people. Because when we isolate, it's very easy to either go into shock or to mm-hmm. ruminate mm-hmm. and then to become depressed. And that becomes then a, a, a red flag for substance abuse and, uh, and long-term uh, depression and post-traumatic stress. So stay connected to people. Gotcha. Um, choose your meals, even if you don't feel like eating because even ah. if it, just choosing your meals will give you a sense of control. Mm. You had no control over ah. what happened to you. But if I you see. eat regular meals and, and you choose your menu and you eat with other people, right. that will help you to feel safer and, and stay more steady, because you do have to make a lot of survival decisions right. when you're in shock.:
1: right. Now what about when somebody is a, a, a disaster strikes your home but you're not home? you know you're on vacation like somebody uh last night um uh one uh uh, actually noreen during her show talked to us her show was on on the 11th this year and so she talked about the anniversary of 9-11 and she had a gentleman who was from england and he was on vacation in greece at the time Mm -hmm. he actually didn't even know about it till the next day Mm -hmm. so what about what can we do when we're like away from home and a disaster has struck our home
3: uh, I think it's important to try to, you know, again have a uh, have a list of two or three people mm-hmm. who are your emergency contacts, mm-hmm. and make sure that those people contact you. Uh, give them your, I don't know the days before we had cell phones, and yeah. I was used to give people the name of the hotel where I was staying and uh, the phone number. Uh. So make sure that somebody, one or two people, always know where you are, uh, so right. that you can get information and um, make sure that you have. The insur- your insurance company's phone numbers mm. uh, in your phone and uh, your policy number. You can put them on Google Docs and you can keep them in your phone. I am a great believer in paper. I'm from that generation. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, if there's, yeah, so if we're putting there's, it up in the cloud, right, you can access right. if, it if if there's, anywhere. If, yeah. there's no, if there's no cell phone signal where you are, then no. if you have it on an index card or a piece of paper, you'll always have that information yeah, available.
1: Yeah. Um, So we're getting near the end of the show. I just want to ask you real quick before we finish up. What is soul collage?
3: Soul collage is a process that was developed by Jungian therapist, which allows you to speak directly to your part of your creative unconscious. So Ah. during... Uh, and, and it's really, I think, one of the most powerful techniques I've found mm-hmm. for accessing the deeper wisdom of the psyche ah.
2: because we
3: make a collage, of 5 by 7 or 5 by 8 mm-hmm. uh, collage on a card, and then I'm a facilitator. I guide you through a process in which the images speak to you. Mm-hmm. So it's like an active dream interpretation uh, ah. s- session where you're in an altered state but without having to go through any kind of uh, hypnotic induction or meditative process. Okay. So it, it's very powerful, and people, I'm, I'm able to offer it during sessions. Where people are having tremendous breakthroughs with it.
1: Oh, wow, wonderful, wonderful. So it sounds like something if, if people are interested in That's contacting right. you to ask you about. So it's six years later. What today is your biggest challenge around having to deal with that disaster from six years ago?
3: My biggest challenge. Uh, I, I go back and forth. I don't. I. I actually had to move uh, from the uh, community after uh-huh. a few years. Um, I found that uh, I. I was not able to sustain living living in my house mm. uh, because the costs of everything were going up, that and so mm-hmm. um, it it passed all the inspections and it was sold. Uh. Um, and then I had uh, temporary housing, and uh, finally I decided that it was time to leave the island. So my biggest mm. challenge is when I go back uh, uh. to recognize that it's, it's really a chapter from my past and it's not a place where I live anymore, even mm. though my, my, my people are there, my heart is there, yeah. and I'll be speaking at the Long Beach Library on uh, October 27th for oh. the sixth anniversary.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, that's great. That's great. Um, Yeah, I remember, I don't know, a a few years ago after Hurricane Sandy, I saw this one comedian and he, he had a really funny routine, though it's kind of sad in a way. About you know living out of people's basements, yes. <laughs> you know after after Hurricane Sandy because financially he you know, lost his job, he couldn't do this, couldn't right. do that, and he was literally just living out of people's basements.
3: Yeah, I, I moved about seven times the first month and a oh, half. I think wow. I moved when I finally left the island. It was my ninth move, Ooh. and that was after living someplace for twenty years. So wow. I know what it's like to live in basements and be a FEMA refugee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. Okay, well, unfortunately, we're out of time. If people want to get in touch with you, um, learn more about you, what's your website? How do people find you?
3: Thank you. You can find me through my website, which is laurienadel.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E-N-A-D-E-L.com. You can contact me. There's a link to email me, or you can call me at 212-560-2333.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. And again, your newest book is The Five Gifts, and they can get it where?
3: You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's in stores, independent okay. booksellers.
1: Wonderful, wonderful, and yeah, and this was professionally published health communication.
3: HCI books published "Chicken Soup for the Soul."
1: Ah, right, 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 right. They were the ones I thought that looked familiar. Yeah. Well, Thor, thank you so much for taking the time out of the schedule to but, come into the studio today. I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much for having me as your guest. Uh,
1: you're quite welcome. We've getting a ton of really uh, great comments. My friend Harris says also he tuned in. It's a great show. Julian said great advice. thank Thank you all for tuning in. Please, if you enjoyed this conversation, you enjoyed the video, please share it. Don't keep us a secret. Let your friends know about it. I really would appreciate that. And coming up next, uh, we have a rerun of Ellen Lycan's new show, Poker Divas, followed by a brand new, Our Daily Magic, with Kai Cole and Dale Henderson. Um, so please keep listening to them. And you know, guys, you know, I will be back next week, same time, 12 noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Thank you all for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.
2: You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
1: Hi, are you interested in blockchain
4: technologies and cryptocurrencies? Then tune in here on talkradio.nyc with me, David every friday 11 a.m to 12
2: p.m eastern time as we answer your questions and interview great guests live on internet radio on building the blockchain where you can catch the blockchain revolution you're listening to the talking alternative network are you stuck in a rut negative thoughts feelings and conversations got you down hi i'm noreen sumter the potentiator You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.